This is Top Floor, episode 43. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 43. Welcome to Top Floor with Susan Berry. This weekly podcast ride up to the top floor features tangible tips and excellent stories from the experts and characters who elevate hospitality. And now your host and elevator operator, Susan Berry. Welcome to the show. Tom Smith's hotel career started when his father, a director of engineering, helped him get a part-time job in the dish pit during Sunday brunch. While Tom kept picking up shifts through college, his post-grad plan was to work with at-risk youth. But like all of us, Tom could not resist the glitz and glamour of hospitality, ultimately evolving into a sales and promotions role at a ski resort. After checking a variety of hotel types off of his bingo card as director of sales, Tom followed his heart to Awestruck, a digital marketing agency. Awestruck helps hotels and destinations market themselves online. Today, Tom and I are going to talk about how hotels can scale content creation to generate demand. But before we do, we have to answer the call button. The emergency call button is our hotline for hospitality professionals with burning questions. If you'd like to submit a question, you can call or text me at 850-404-9630. Today's question was submitted by Heather. And she asks, how often should I be posting promotions or special offers on my hotel's social channels? All right, Tom, what do you think? How often should she be doing that? There's nothing wrong with throwing a promotion out onto the social media, what your platform, whether it be Facebook, that's primarily where people will put those promotions or LinkedIn. Sometimes people will choose to do that. But I think you have to be cognizant of what that platform is for, what people are there for. The occasional promotion or post maybe a couple times a month, you know, from an organic side is okay. The paid side where it's not coming up on your feed is a whole other conversation and that can be done more consistently. But if it's going to live on your feed, I would really limit that to like one or two times per month because you want your feed to look organic and to look like something that is more representing of your property. So people can really fully understand who you are and the aesthetic of that self-promotion and booking link and those things on there doesn't really tie well into an organic feed that looks nice and compelling for people that are trying to build an opinion of who you are from a social perspective. I agree. I have always recommended that hotels follow the 80-20 rule that 80% of their content provides value to a potential guest and 20% provides value to the hotel via sure. a booking link. A great way to look at it. I like that. So we, we met when I was consulting for a hotel in Burlington, Vermont, where you ultimately became the director of sales and marketing. While I was there, I learned that Vermont has the highest number of people in the witness protection program <laughs> of any state in the U.S. That's an interesting fact. Suspiciously, your name is Tom Smith, <laughs> a name that is so common, Googling it returns 644 million results. So I have to ask you, are you in the witness protection program? <laughs> oh, boy. Well, Susan, you know I can't answer that question. 
Okay. Um, but what I what I will say is that my name being as common as it is is a great icebreaker because just as you pointed out, I'm I'm telling you, if you have not met me before and you're just looking to have a conversation, I say, hello, my name is Tom Smith. People will I, I follow that with, and yes. That is my real name. And it sort of it sort of light, lightens the mood and gets things going and it sort of plays fun. And yes, I have like legitimately like the most common name in the world. Um, but to answer your first question, you know, I I, I can't get into the specifics of that. So take it what you take it Do out. You, you have you heard that before or did I just make that up? I swear somebody told me that in Burlington. You know, I have actually not seen that fact, but um, I think I'm definitely going to look into that. And I think it's interesting. And it starts making me thinking, how many people in WITSEC have I actually met before exactly. in Vermont? So it's interesting. Well, when I was preparing for our conversation, I tried to Google it and I couldn't find anything. So I started thinking like, <laughs> is this really just somebody thinking that Breaking Bad was a documentary versus <laughs> a TV show? I don't know. Right, it's hard to right. say. No, that's a good question, though. It's, it's an interesting <laughs> fact. I will. Uh, I, I have to look into that. <laughs> you have worked at both independent and branded hotels. Mm-hmm. From a marketing perspective, what do you think are the best things about each type? There's a lot of things that are very similar. You know, it really depends on your ownership group. You know, as far as you know, what is what are your deliverables? Your reporting, your finances. How are you reporting on that? What are those conversations you're having internally? However, the biggest change, in my opinion, really the big shocker came from a marketing side. And hindsight's twenty twenty. It seems pretty obvious. From a branded side, the strengths are definitely there. As far as recognition, you have your loyalty rewards. Those are legitimate. And then from a BT perspective, you have certain businesses and companies that are very loyal to a specific brand. And that brand, which you pay for, is make sure that's there. That is a marketing expense. When you are a franchise and when you're flying a flag, it's it's not free. So we have to roll that into it. But there is this credibility and comfort level that comes with a certain uh, guest that have with your brand. From an independent side, you can really grow in the sense of you manage your website. You can manage the back end, the content management system that is putting information out there. You can really be hands-on and you have to work hard to be creative and create that identity for yourself. I think both have their strengths. It just really depends on what your target is and what you're looking to do in your career and grow. I'm extremely grateful that I got to spend significant time in both the independent world as well as the branded world. Do you have a preference? Like if you were to go back on property and do marketing for either a branded or an independent, anything that particularly calls your name or are the pros kind of balanced on either side? Well, you're going to get me in trouble with some of my, 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 my friends. <laughs> you don't have to answer it if you don't want no, to. No, I'll be, I'll be direct. I think it's a fair question. I was a DOSM and I really, really loved the M side of my job. Okay, like the sales part was fantastic, but I love the marketing. And for me personally, I'm not talking about from like a business sense or like from what's better as a hotel or resort flagged or unflagged, but as a personal growth in my career, I, I think I would be more aligned with the independent because of some of the creativity and some of the options that you have to explore that are not necessarily set in stone for you. But don't get me wrong. There is more freedom in the in the um, branded world than most people think. But I would say I'd probably be drawn more towards that independent side. I feel exactly the same way, even though I think that it's probably... I don't want to say easier, but a less... 
there's probably a clearer path to success on the branded side, but the ability to experiment and be creative is very appealing to me. So what about when you were on property? What's one of the best or most effective marketing initiatives that you implemented? Well, that's a two-part answer. Um, I'm going to cheat on that. Just like a witness protection program person. (laughs) Exactly. So at face value, um, actually with the branded property in 2019, we won HS MAI award, Adrian award. Um, Ironically for an email campaign is the category was outstanding email series. Really that was as far as like an award and recognition. um, That was fantastic. Huge credit, obviously, to my ecom partner, Christy Castrinas, who's now with Hilton Corporate, Alice Walsh, uh, VP at Ambridge, and Katie Fund, who is our uh, revenue manager, um, played a big part in that. That was great to see on like the big stage of that award. What was that campaign? It was a series of emails that basically that we put together that had a significant amount of return and creativity that we were able to implement into that. So there was just... Basically, um, the success of the campaign from an ROI perspective went well, and we had a really great record year from that perspective. And like the opt-ins and everything that we got from it went very well. But what I want to focus on is my favorite marketing moment came and what really drove drew me into the marketing and promotions world. And that was when I was with the ski resort. We created a college pass. The big, big thing at the time was these trying to get college kids to come to our mountain, and there was a big thing on mountains combining. We created this pass with another mountain called the two for you. And the U looked like a university symbol and the two was a peace sign. We created t-shirts. We literally were going around making walking billboards on college campuses. And um, we were doing rail jams and all these events where we were promoting it and giving away these passes. And it really excited me for the power of branding and marketing. Awesome. Now that you are on the marketing agency side of the hotel business, sort of thinking back on your career on property, what would you encourage directors of sales and marketing to spend more time on? And what would you encourage them to spend less time on? Yeah, it's a real loaded question. I think when I look back, I sit in this seat now and I think of what's valuable and the opportunity that's at hand is what I didn't do enough of and what I would encourage people to spend more time talking. If you're a DOSM, spend more time talking to guests or your customers. And I'm not talking about selling. I'm not talking about like the pitch slapping is what we like to say. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about like a manager's reception where you're asking them to drop their card or it feels salesy. I'm talking about legitimate questions where you can understand where they're coming from. How did they hear about your hotel? Um, What do they like to do? Like just engaging with the guests to get those insights. I think from a marketing perspective, we put a lot of attention onto attribution and KPIs and all these measurables when so so many answers are right there in what we call dark social or people just having conversations. It's the word of mouth and it can really influence what you do as a marketer. I spent a tremendous amount of time and I want to clarify that I think that's easier said than done as a DOSM. Um, There's a reason I didn't. I was very, very focused on my reporting, on understanding everything that's going on from a financial standpoint. My team, I worked for a REIT specifically in one of these properties, a real estate investment trust. So being able to analyze and understand the finances behind everything that was going on took a lot of my time and was very important 
So I would just say, set some boundaries and balance. If you're a director of sales and marketing, really try to engage with the customers and your guest service agents who are talking to them firsthand. So the work that you're doing um, is actually, you know that it's resonating and you can have that firsthand knowledge. That makes a lot of sense. What do you think that they should spend less time on? Honestly, what happens in hotels, resorts, really, and I can speak to that because that's been my profession, but I've spoken to many people and it happens everywhere, is the draining energy of negativity and complaining about um, departments You know, where somebody may have dropped the ball. You worked really hard, they dropped the ball. I think I'm guilty of it. I was guilty of it specifically in the beginning of my career, spending so much time focusing on where the fault was you know, maybe a group didn't go very well on site. We missed this. We missed that. We, we focus so much time on fault and trying to find that rather than building each other up and focusing on solutions. So that would be my recommendation. It's very easy to dwell on the issues and the problems at hand, and you're going to burn a lot of energy. Try to focus on solutions and having and building each other up. And I, and I know that might be a pat answer, but I think it's, it's it can happen so easily and in my experience, happens very easily in the hospitality world. That's great advice, I think. When I started my company, Hive Marketing, a thousand years ago, it feels like now. <laughs> I did so specifically to help hotels with social media. So mm-hmm. over the years, I began to feel like individual hotels couldn't create enough content particularly when they had restrictions either from their management company, their owner, their brand, a combination of all three of those to really optimize social. That sort of happened at the same time that organic engagement was significantly throttled on the sites. So I didn't think hotels could really optimize social anymore and pivoted my business accordingly. And now we do B2B commercial strategy work and it's a much better fit. I know you feel differently about that. And I really want to hear your take on it. So how do you think an individual hotel can take advantage of social media now? I really don't think differently in the sense of the value of these other areas of marketing, You know, whether that be your website and the digital strategy. I think those are all extremely important. I'm not saying social is more important than any of those. I think it needs to be looked at more holistically. And the reason why I believe that it is so important is look at the sheer numbers. And we see that 58% of the population is on social media. 4.6 billion people are using social media. Yes, those are large numbers. Not every single one of those people are going to be your ideal customer or even care about who you are. However, I think it's important for us as marketers and hospitality to look outside of ourselves and and to see what is the next trend? What is happening right now? You know, we can get stuck on what we're currently doing. And I think to overlook social and the generation that's behind us, the generation that's currently here that's booking is utilizing social in a massive way. And I would just encourage people to get started. And I know that I want to make sure I'm on point with your question because I'm very passionate about this. But like when we talk about content and scaling and demand generation from that standpoint, I think people get really caught up in what they can't do or what they don't think they they have or what they don't know how to do. When quite frankly, that's how everybody started in this business. Getting started, working, taking those images, lurking, seeing what your competitors are doing, seeing what people are doing that's going really well, and just trying to replicate that, getting out there trying, failing, and and just having repetition, you're going to see that success or you're going to be proud of it. And that's how I look at social media is that it's not going away. 
And even just because you may not use it to book something, there is a huge population of people that are using social media as a huge influence. And I think it's our due diligence as as hoteliers and hospitality professionals to pay close attention to where people are at. So can you talk a little bit more about how an individual hotel can go about creating the content that they need to fill in the blanks on social? So I don't think there's any disagreement that about 20 years in, social is here to stay, right? (laughs) But I think what, what we see so often is that you know, there are 16 different Instagram accounts for the same hotel because someone Mm. starts it and then leaves and starts it and then leaves. Um, So any tips or suggestions for how to consistently keep up with that kind of content creation? Yeah. Well, you hit it on the head, you know, working on the agency we side when we come on with a hotel. Typically, we certainly come on to hotels that are doing well and have this mastered and down to it. We come on as a great partner and it's very smooth. But Let's be honest, a lot of times we come onto hotels that are really struggling with this and haven't been able to do it very well or completely wrap around their head around it for many, many years. And they have exactly what you're dealing with. Um, multiple accounts. The person who created it was like, literally, I just saw one was like a line cook at the hotel, had a passion for social media. And like now with two-factor authentication, it's like impossible to get into that account. I swear it's easier to get into somebody's bank account than it is. To get into <laughs> it's true. You're absolutely um, right. But what I would say is, like you do with everything, have a document, create your username, password, and make it um, a a business one. Try not to keep it away from a personal uh, account if you can when you're starting that. But also utilize a calendar. You know, take note of like what are your strengths as a hotel and don't be afraid to put those out there. And they don't always have to have a call to action. I think that's what people get caught on. They have to have a catchy, you know, what's the promotion or what's in it for them or whatever it is. But like, what is your strength? I mean, you don't have to be a four diamond luxury destination resort to have strengths as a property. You have your team, everybody in the world, every manager you talk to will say, what's the most, what's the most valuable thing that you have at your team? I mean, I remember starting out, we were just doing interviews with some of our team members, some of the longstanding people. If you want to get that video content, or if you just want to get something out there and create a personality, start small, start what you know how to do. Don't try to follow what everybody else is doing or be something that you're not. Start small, create um, a reputation for yourself. If it's your team interview, if it's just you have a wonderful, whatever it may be that's going on your property, don't be afraid to share that to the world. Okay, this sounds like a good time to take a break. After this, Tom continues to pretend that he's not in witness protection and explains how he tried to talk a bride into changing her wedding date a few weeks out. (laughs) Be right back. Top Floor is supported by SiteMinder. In an online world that never sleeps, you can't afford to be off, ever. So how do you keep rooms full guests raving, costs down, and staff happy? SiteMinder is the world's leading hotel commerce platform that provides hoteliers like you with the tools you need to sell, market, manage, and grow your business, all from a single dashboard. It's technology without the need to be super techie, intelligence without the detective work, and simplicity without leaving anything out. To learn more about how SiteMinder can help your hotel grow online, visit siteminder.com forward slash top floor. 
As you know, we like to make sure that our listeners come away from every episode of Top Floor with a couple of very specific, practical, tangible ideas to try either in their businesses or in their lives. You've already done a great job of giving some specifics about how to manage social media accounts, but I have more questions. So here we go. If a hotel were going to invest the time, the effort, the money to do a really amazing job on just one channel, where should they invest their time, money, etc.? Hmm. So that question is always fun for me to answer. And you know me, like I'm not, I can't give you just a straight answer. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a couple of different ways I look at this. If you're just going on logic and you're going on sheer numbers, the number one social platform in the world is still Facebook. Okay. It is. It's still the monster out there. Then you have YouTube, then you have WhatsApp, then you have Instagram. You have all these different levels. So from a practicality standpoint, if you're looking for something that if you're just going to be on one where you get the mass amount of people who are engaging from multiple generations, I mean, Facebook is probably the one you're going to look at. However, what I would say, I love Instagram from a practicality standpoint in the sense it gives you the skill set to be able to work on multiple platforms like TikTok, and Facebook, because with Instagram, you have stories. So you're going to be working at short form video. You can repurpose that to TikTok. You have still images. You can repurpose that to Facebook. So you can't be everywhere at once if you're one person all the time. So I think Instagram is a play- great platform because it, you can build the disciplines that will be successful in multiple platforms. And one last thing on that, Susan, what I will say is very underutilized, and it's actually how we got together again. If you're If you're a hospitality leader, specifically in sales, I think you need to strongly look at the social platform LinkedIn. I think it's being significantly underutilized and not, I see a lot of people posting, like I was saying before, promotions. But I think what's most important to look at that is be a, people don't like it, the thought of it, but a thought leader. Engage with people. Your meeting planners and business professionals are on that platform. And I think it's significantly underutilized by hospitality leaders for a personal brand. I know that you've invested a lot of time in creating content for your LinkedIn profile. Can you talk a little bit about why that's important to you and any tips you have for somebody who'd like to do the same thing? Yeah. So the reason why I got into being really involved with LinkedIn and creating content Really, it was out of necessity. I was a like before when I jumped into this role, I was a hotel and resort sales and marketing guy. That was my label. That's what my network knew me as. I needed to establish myself with some credibility and trust that I actually knew how to be a little bit more diverse in my marketing skills and being able to have unique thoughts and opinions and understand the trends that are going on in the marketing world. They're constantly changing. So it was a way for me to establish that trust um, and also keep myself accountable. When you're going to build content and you're going to post, like you have to make an effort to be educated and understand what's going on. I'm somebody who loves education. I love continuously learning. Um, it excites me. And also, if you notice what I do on LinkedIn, I... I don't focus a lot of attention on awestruck or sales or what I'm necessarily doing. And that's that's not because I'm not proud of it. It's because people know when they're being sold to. I, I really believe my profile can do that. Like if somebody likes what I'm talking about, like they can look at my profile, they know where I'm at, you know, they're gonna get the gist. They can talk to me about something if they may be interested in partnering with me. I put more value in building trust. Um, with people and being involved and learning, quite frankly. And that's why I just, I love LinkedIn. I love being able to create that content. It's not always the best, 
but I'm, do, I'm doing my best to put it out there, put myself out there. And so please follow me, DM me, you know, connect with me. I love meeting new people. I'm with you. I'm a big fan of LinkedIn too. So if a hotel director of sales and marketing is interested in hiring an outside marketing agency, what are some ways you would suggest that she pitch that to her bosses? Like what kind of return on investment can they expect? What are some things she should share? Well, she's going to have an uphill battle at some places. And I, and I recognize that. And that's because I think first and foremost, there needs to be a bit of a mind shift in the respect and understanding of what marketing is in, in today's world. I, I think if you're trying to convince somebody that marketing is relevant, that's important, you're going to be in an uphill battle and it's going to be really tough. So I think there needs to be a mutual respect in general for what marketing is in our industry, in hospitality in general. Personally, I think that the conversation, I would start off by saying, hey, Susan, let's pretend you're, you're the boss. In the fall, I heard you're going to go, you want to go on a vacation. Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? What's the first thing that you're going to do? Am I supposed to answer? Yeah. What's the first thing that you would do if you were going to look into a vacation? Pick my destination. And you're probably going to what to try and find that information? Mm, I don't know. Ask friends or Google it or exactly go back to my inspiration list. Right. So I would say I'd put it in that perspective of just saying, like, where do you find value? Like, if you're talking to your boss, what do you do? And I ask you the same question. If you were going to plan a conference, Susan, for, for your agency, you know, and you were going to do that in December, what would you do? And I'm not going to put you on the spot, but likely the answer is going to be, I'm going to do a little research. I'm going to poke around. I'm going to see reviews. I'm going to do stuff. To me, like one of the easiest ways to convince somebody is to help them understand how they how they respect it and have value in it in their own day-to-day life. And so that's what I would do. I would, I would just, I would talk about how it's useful and what people do and the average person does. And then, you know, if we're going to talk about return on investment, I think that's a really difficult question to answer because everything is very different. Some like we could get into what's a 10 to 1, 16 to 1, 4 to 1, 2 to 1. What I'm going to say is that the skill set that an agency generally brings, and here I want to put it out, I'm not here to tell anybody that an agency is right for them. I think it's great when somebody can do it in-house. I think that's extremely valuable. But the reality is, is it's very difficult in today's day and age to find the skill set to be able to do that, um, to have the time to be able to put to marketing that needs to be placed. And an agency can bring you a skill set that may, ca- may be required for two to three different positions at your property, um, and it provides value. So what I would suggest is not so much what's the return on the investment, but also what will you lose if you do not invest in your marketing moving forward? It, we could go on and on about that, but that's really how I look at it is sales is marketing. Marketing is sales in today's world and revenue management. The lines are getting blurred more and more, and it's equally as important as any other position. I really like that point about being able to access skill sets that you wouldn't be able to get as a standalone position in your hotel. I think that's extremely compelling. We've reached the point in the show <laughs> where we look into our crystal balls, reach into our bag of tricks, maybe do a little magic, some predicting. What are a couple of trends, either new campaigns or new channels that hospitality marketers should pay attention to now to stay ahead of the curve? Yeah. 
you know, I touched on it before, TikTok, social. I think that is obviously something that's going to continue to, to grow. We can't hide the fact that TikTok had more search volume and more use than Google in 2021. That's so amazing. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a statistic that almost doesn't seem believable, right? right? But my big focus, what I would like to shine some light on that I don't think is talked about a lot is OTT. It's over the top. It's that advertising that is booming outside of the hospitality world. Cable cutters, everybody, 80% plus of the, of the world is streaming in some form every day. And I think that's an advertising medium from a marketing perspective that is going to slowly grow and grow within the hospitality world. So I would encourage people, start looking into it. What is it? It's, it's not as expensive and it's not the same. It's very, very targeted, like digital world, and people get a little bit overwhelmed. Just start doing a little research because I think, as you asked me, the trends that I think are upcoming, I think we're going to see more OTT advertising in the hospitality space for years to come. And that's on streaming channels like Netflix, Peacock, Paramount Plus, whatever. Yes, those are OTT platforms. We have to be cognizant of some are um, ad enabled and some are not. Um, so we're talking about like Netflix is a closed network. They are talking about opening up actually an ad enabled Netflix, but we're we're talking about the Hulu's, the Roku's, those you know different podcasts. You know you have Spotify, all the apps that are out there where people are watching and consuming um, streaming, um, whether that be audio or connected TV through the screen where people are essentially trading ads um, for a free service. That is something that I think you're going to see a lot more of. And very briefly, I'll just say, because it's very targeted, you're dealing with a customer who is conditioned for an ad. You're not just seeing random ads. True OTT is targeting a customer who's a little bit preconditioned to actually be interested in what your ad is. So that's a whole other conversation. Oh, it's so interesting though. Why is it called over the top? So, I mean, in basic terms, what I look, I, I think um, there's, it's, it's very technical, but it, it basically, I think over the top of the cable box, okay? Um, you're going over the top, you're going direct to consumer, going oh. direct to the TV. So you're, you're, you're bypassing um, that cable company, that box, and you're going directly to TV, to the um, streaming device, uh, the mobile phone, the, the laptop, the tablet, you name it. Oh, that's really interesting. Thank you for bringing that up. What sure. is next for you and what's next for your company? Yeah. So, you know, for me, I'm, you know, I talk about myself, but like I'm, I'm a hospitality professional marketer at heart. Like that's, I'm going to continue to be a part of that. What's next for me is just continuing to focus on delivering content and, and educating my network and people and learning through LinkedIn, through different things. Like for me, I'm a forever learner. That's what's next for me from a professional level. I don't know what the future holds. I love where I'm at right now. I love being a part of Awestruck. But more importantly, like I just want to keep growing and learning and building a network of people that I can learn and trust and learn from. From a from an Awestruck side, what's very exciting is it's a relatively young company. Um, we've been around since 2019, but we are growing tremendously. You know, over 50, 60 different employees now, very skilled digital marketers to very experienced hospitality professionals, a part of um, Awestruck. It's very exciting to see where we're going and what we're doing. And we are very, very invested in ensuring that content and delivering content for people um, is the forefront uh, of, of what we're doing. Okay, folks, before we tell Tom goodbye, we are going to head down to the loading dock where all of the best stories get told. 
going down. Tom, what is a story you would only tell on the loading dock? <laughs> oh, I've, I've listened to your podcast, so I had a feeling this was coming, and I was thinking of there's there's so many different ones, but I'll do one that's a little self-deprecating. So, as a sales professional, years ago, I was a sales manager, and I did the ultimate no-no of double booking a group, and it's because, um, and I don't share this freely with everybody, but it, Apparently, I am now because we're on the loading dock. <laughs> exactly. But basically, when you have a return client year after year, you go ahead and put them in your CRM and, and, you, and you book it. Well, I went with the exact dates, right? I forgot that those days change. So when we started doing some of the detailing process, lo and behold, we also had a wedding on that day. Now, let me tell you, if there's one thing I don't recommend is going to a bride 90 days before their wedding and asking if they would consider changing their date. It doesn't go over well. <laughs> oh, no. And when you have an annual conference that has all the fundraisers and everything that's going on and they're booked in, they're not going to change their date either. So long story short, we made it work. I had to find a partner hotel to help house different people. I personally took it on to be the shuttle driver. Operations was not happy with me. I was going back and forth between another hotel, four or five in the morning, 10, 11 o'clock at night. Um, that hotel happened to be under renovation, which I didn't know. I mean, it was a complete nightmare. But at the end of the day, more behind the scenes of a nightmare, the guest experience was still it, it went okay. Everybody <laughs> had a pretty good time. You're still alive, you, I'll, so I will. But here's the funny part. So I will tell you, I sat down with that longstanding client after not the wedding. Um, that was fine. But with the client who booked year after year, he said, "Tom, if this ever happens again, don't call me, don't email, don't apologize. I will never work with you ever again." Oh my god. I, uh, well, understood. You got it. So. That is my embarrassing story of double booking and being a young salesperson who did not pay attention to details. And I learned my lesson <laughs> and I've, I've, I've delivered on the loading dock and now it's out there. Too. It's so ironic, Tom, because when I was on my walk this morning, I was thinking about a time that a hotel I was consulting for had double booked a group and we had to go through the same mm -hmm. thing. And it was so easy for me to handle it because I was an outsider. like I had no emotion <laughs> tied up in it. Yeah. But it be turned into one of those situations that in my experience happens nine times out of 10, which is it washed almost completely. Like let's sure. say that there was a 45 room gap because of the double booking. We ended up only needing to relocate four people. Yeah. So it tends to be, it tends to be a lot bigger and a lot more, a lot more scary um, than when it actualizes, but man, is it scary. It's when terrible. What did the bride say when you, or the, the wedding couple say when you reached out? Oh, I mean, basically um, they didn't even want to hear about it. It was, it was, it was like, I mean, I, I'm married. I've gone through that process. And like, when you're in this high stress mode, you're like any other problem, you just basically just ignore that. Like they basically ignored what I was saying. Like, like <laughs> this, this uh, you're going to figure this out. I can't take this on right now. Uh -huh. You know, like, like just dismiss it. Like, yes, you're right. Of course. You the, take care the words of it. you're saying yeah. are, I do not yeah. receive them. <laughs> yes, exactly. Figure it out. Oh, that's so, awesome. Well, I think we've yeah. all double booked. In episode one of this show, I interviewed my sister and she talked about the time that she accepted a catering booking for a wedding and promptly forgot about it until the day of the wedding when the bride called and said, hey, where's our food? 
Oh my goodness. Everyone's done it. And it's the most painful in the moment. And then the funniest down the road. Well, Tom Smith, thank you so much for being here. I know our listeners got some great tips and I really appreciate you riding up to the top floor. Absolutely. I appreciate you, Susan. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 43. Top Floor is produced by John Albano, who also composed and performed our elevated elevator music with vocals by Cameron Albano. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues after you leave us a five-star review. You can subscribe to Top Floor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. Thanks for listening to the Top Floor Podcast at www.topfloorpodcast.com. Have a hospitality marketing question? Reach us at 850-404-9630 to be featured in a future episode.